Die Another Day was the lead single from Madonna's ninth studio album, American Life, and, most importantly, was the title track for the 20th James Bond movie, which was released on 20th of November 2002, a month after the single, which had been serviced to radio on 10th of October. The first taste of music from Madonna's upcoming project, it had begun life many months earlier as one of dozens of songs recorded for American Life. Shaped by the music studio, Die Another Day would go through many forms and at least one title change before reaching its final state. Co-written and produced by Mirwais Amadzai, the song would feature dramatic strings arranged by Michelle Colombier and was conceived as an entire project, with the song's recording and video financed by the Bond studio, and Madonna offered a cameo role in the film, which would be the final one to feature Piers Brosnan in the lead role. This led to a video directed by a Swedish duo known as Tractor, which would become, for the time, the second most expensive music promo video after Scream by Michael and Janet Jackson. This video would explore the themes of psychoanalysis presented in the song's lyrics, which were in turn inspired by the film's plot. Madonna joined the list of great performers to record a Bond tune, alongside the likes of Tom Jones, Nancy Sinatra, Shirley Bassey, Tina Turner and Duran Duran. And I'll be taking a look at those 19 previous Bond themes, as well as discussing the song's development, not to mention the fact that it was rejected by the movie franchise at one point. I'll also be playing you isolated tracks from the recording session and an alternative intro to the song, which was dropped from the final recording. So for now, sit back, relax, break down your ego as we analyse this Inside the Groove. Hello, my name is Edward Russell and welcome to another episode of the podcast after a short break. Two pieces of news for you. Firstly, I took part in an interview with Stefan and Tony for the MLVC podcast, and we had what, well, what we all want really, a good old Madonna gossip. That episode is due to go live at the same time as this one, so do check it out. I really enjoyed chatting to them, and it was an honour to join their list of guests, which have included Nikki, Harris and Donna Delory, as well as many of Madonna's tour dancers, including from the Blonde Ambition tour. Secondly, there's going to be a slight change to the future episodes. New, full episodes in the format that you're used to will be coming every other week from now on, but to fill the gap, there will be the occasional mini-episode between the main ones. These have a format which will allow me to cover songs where there is no multi-track available, but perhaps a demo or a cappella. It'll be a brief dive rather than a deep one, but it allows me to cover more music and keep the series running for longer. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to find out which song I'll be covering next week in the first mini-episode. Thanks so much for your amazing feedback. Despite being off-air for a few weeks, the podcast has become more popular than ever and even featured in the Australian press. Big thanks to Cameron Adams, the music writer for News Corp Down Under, who is both a Madonna fan and, of course, an Inside the Groove fan, and he wrote about the podcast there. OK. Although Die Another Day was the first track to be heard from the American Life album, its release some months before the title track almost sets it apart from that project, so you may be wondering why I chose a deep dive on that track. Well, there's just so much to say about it. Unlike many of Madonna's other songs, it was written to demand and had to fit a formula. 
Lots of people were involved from the studio making the Bond movie, through to other creatives such as those involved in the orchestration. And they've all blabbed, so I'll be covering that. But most of all, this is an opportunity to give a brief history of 007 music. I wouldn't call myself a Bond buff exactly, but I do really enjoy the movies, having watched them all, and the music is a huge part of why I love them. Not just the theme tunes, but the soundtracks as well. If anyone is interested, then I can highly recommend the book The Music of James Bond by John Burlingame. I'll be quoting a fair bit from his book in this podcast. But let's start by setting the scene for the song by looking at where Madonna was in her career at this time in her life. 2001 had seen the conclusion of the promo campaign for the music album, followed by the highly successful Drown World Tour, and that was the first time that Madonna had hit the road since uh, the Gurdy Show in 1993. The tour had originally been planned for 1999, but its delay meant that it got to showcase songs from the music album as well. And it only had 47 shows, but yet netted $74 million worldwide, and that's, I think, the fourth highest grossing tour of 2001. Not bad going. <laughs> and straight after that, Madonna and husband Guy Ritchie travelled to Sardinia for the filming of their new movie, Love, Sex, Drugs and Money. If you're wondering what that is, I'll fill you in shortly. Um, later in the year came the GHV2 Greatest Hits compilation, sort of picked up where the Immaculate Collection left off. It was originally titled The Second Coming, and this compilation included edits of singles released from Erotica onwards, and like its predecessor, managed not to include some of Madonna's most cherished hits. 2002 saw Madonna spending time moving between LA and London, and this is where she performed in the West End, in the David Williamson play Up For Grabs. In the August, Madonna bought a custom-made Mini Cooper, the iconic British car, which she would reference in a future song. Meanwhile, Guy had begun the promotional campaign for the movie that he'd made with his wife, which had now been retitled Swept Away. Now you might remember it. Alongside this, production began on the 20th movie in the James Bond franchise, produced by MGM Studios. Based on the spy novels of Ian Fleming, the first movie had starred Sean Connery as Agent 007 in the movie Doctor No back in 1962, and within a short time their popularity had seen each of the novels become adapted for the cinema, and a succession of actors portray Bond when Connery finally bowed out in the early 1970s. After a break in production during the 90s, the franchise returned and updated the concept slightly, which had been heavily criticised for its sexist attitude towards women and perhaps it also become over-reliant on camp humour and innuendo. Not that there's much wrong with that, of course. Now this landmark 20th movie would be the final one to star Irish actor Pierce Brosnan and would once again be produced by Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli, the half-siblings who inherited the franchise from their father, Cubby Broccoli, and it would also land on the franchise's 40th anniversary and there was a huge expectation put on director Lee Demahori for that. With Halle Berry announced as the movie's Bond Girl, the search was on to find an artist to record the movie's theme, with the production team knowing that the right choice would help promote the upcoming film. Let's take a look back, oh, more of a listen back, to some of the Bond music of years past. The first movie, Doctor No, in 1962, featured John Barry's famous and often imitated James Bond theme, with the precedent for a title track beginning with the second movie and Matt Monroe's theme for From Russia With Love. 
Possibly the most famous Bond theme came next with Shirley Bassey's Goldfinger. Goldfinger He's the man, the man with the Midas touch. Next was another Welsh singer, Tom Jones with Thunderball, followed by one of my personal favourites, both music-wise and film-wise, the beautiful You Only Live Twice by Nancy Sinatra. You Famously sampled by Robbie Williams for his 90s hit Millennium. George Lazenby took over as Bond for one film only, and Louis Armstrong's All the Time in the World was the closing song for what many consider the ultimate Bond movie. Sean Connery returned for Diamonds Are Forever, as did Shirley Bassey with the theme, but in 1973, Roger Moore made his debut, rebooting the franchise and with a very different theme from Paul McCartney and Wings. What a song. It goes from power ballad to rock opera and even to reggae calypso at one point, and that really set the bar high for future Bond themes. Next, we had a flurry of ballads, first from Lulu for The Man with the Golden Gun, but Carney Simon's Nobody Does It Better is a beautiful mid-tempo track for the otherwise disco-inspired music for The Spy Who Loved Me. Shirley Bassey returned for the third and final time with what I think is quite a disappointing theme for, well, quite an unmemorable film, Moonraker, while relative newcomer Sheena Easton provided the opener to For Your Eyes Only. A further and final ballad, All Time High by Rita Coolidge, was used for Octopussy before the franchise had yet another mini-reboot. A View to a Kill was a return to form for Bond and its theme by Duran Duran, and it's superb. It's also the highest selling Bond theme and often tops lists as being the best. Sticking with the formula, the often overlooked Aha provided the tune for Living Daylights, which also marked the departure of John Barry. And then it was back to ballads for what looked like being the final Bond movie, Licence to Kill. But the franchise returned again in 1995 with Piers Brosnan in the lead. The shadows as a child. The Tina Turner song for Goldeneye was actually written by U2. Cheryl Crow performed Tomorrow Never Dies, basically a blatant rip-off of the Perry Mason theme, and then it was over to the US-Scottish band Garbage for The World Is Not Enough, the 19th Bond movie. The 
A favourite among many, but it wasn't a huge chart success. So there was a huge anticipation for whatever it is that Madonna would bring to the franchise. Let's face it, her movie songs had been possibly highlights of the films that she wrote for. Things such as Live to Tell and I Remember, and perhaps even This Used to Be My Playground, were great ballads. And there were also some upbeat tracks like Beautiful Stranger and Into the Groove. What would she bring this time around for Bond 20? The first hint that Madonna would be providing a song for the film came mid-February when sources on the set disclosed that she was in negotiations and that she might even make a cameo appearance in the film. The song deal was confirmed mid-March, although her film appearance took a little bit longer to finalise. Apparently Madonna was quite reticent to take part at first. And negotiations were particularly complicated. Um, it's estimated that it cost the studio upwards of one million because it included tying in the fees to the acting, the music, the participation in the publishing, and a single deal with a music video. Not like Madonna, not to take an opportunity wherever she could. Michel Colombier, a French composer, had provided strings for Don't Tell Me, and he was enlisted on this project as well. He confirmed that work began on the song in early 2002. Madonna and Mirwais had been working on her next album when the call came from the Bomb people. Columbia said that one of the songs they were working on could maybe work for it. And according to Michelle, Mirwais sent a demo to the studio, a techno type thing that could possibly work for the movie. The studio's response was, well, we love the song, but could you bridge it in a way so it was a bit more of a traditional Bond theme? And that's when Michelle was enlisted. Michelle was sent a rough edit of the opening of the film, and he said, I knew that I had to do something film score-esque. Mirwais sent Colombier a longer version of the track, and Colombier wrote a bunch of things to it. He then flew to London to record an ensemble of 60 string players at Air Studios, and he confirmed that the time that the song was called Can't You See My Mind. Indeed, it is registered on the ASCAP database with that title. That also ties in with something said by Madonna's publicist Liz Rosenberg, who said that the song's eventual title might not match the film. And as a precedent that had been done before, the themes for both The Spy You Love Me and Octopussy did not match the title of the film. Over the years, Madonna fandom has been awash with rumours that Can't You See My Mind is another song, perhaps a lush ballad in a traditional Bond style. It's not. It's the same song as Die Another Day, but with a different title and probably a different chorus. I certainly recall having a conversation with somebody back in 2003 who I would describe as being, well, right at the top of the chain, who also said that Can't You See My Mind is the same song. Talking of rumours, and well, this is a very believable one that I have heard, when Madonna was at Air Studios to record the strings for Die Another Day, she used the opportunity and the James Bond Studios money to also record strings for the other tracks on her album American Life. I suppose that would include Nothing Fails and Easy Ride. Well, I guess you can take the girl out of the Midwest, but you can't take the Midwest out of the girl. According to Michelle, Mirwais took the track back to Paris and did a complete production job. He said, what you hear is not what I wrote. The way that it came out is completely Mirwais. He is a master manipulator. 60 real strings played live became audiophiles in his computer and they can be chopped up like pieces of fabric. He's amazingly brilliant with that. Meanwhile, Jeff Foster, the studio engineer at those sessions, told Lucy O'Brien, Mirwais didn't want strings in the traditional sense, with a big bed of lushness. She's done that with Frozen and moved on. 
There's something sacrosanct about having an orchestra, so it's vaguely blasphemous to take it up and cut it up and mess with it. The original arrangement was more complete and flowing, and Mirways totally cut it up, which is fine, that's part of the process. Off the record, it's said that the film's producers were quite disappointed with what Madonna offered them. It wasn't what they were looking for. On the record, they were a little bit more discreet, Michael G. Wilson said. We went through several interpolations of it, but I think when Madonna saw the rough material we were going to use, she sort of adapted the song and changed the title to Die Another Day. And director Lee Tamahori said, When I first heard it, I was a little concerned because it seemed to have stops and starts and didn't seem to be that evocative but she rewrote the chorus and, and it was written for the movie and I think it made quite a profound difference Madonna herself said before the film's release I hemmed and hawed about it for a while everybody wants to do the theme song of a James Bond movie and I never like to do what everyone else wants to do it's just some perverse thing in me but then I thought about it and I said you know what James Bond needs to get techno and years later she really praised Columbia's contribution she said Mirways brought Michelle to me the song is so cinematic I'm so excited when I get to work with a live orchestra. Those strings in Die Another Day are chilling, and because of that, it's one of my favourite songs. The presence of Madonna, not only as theme composer and performer, but also with a small two-minute appearance in the movie as Verity, a fencing instructor, resulted in a lot more media coverage of the music than usual. But unfortunately, little of it was positive. Madonna shrieking a tuneless theme song, griped the Sunday Times in the UK. The techno thump of Madonna is a cheerless title song noted Los Angeles Times. Madonna contributes a dumb cameo along with a tinny theme song, complained the Wall Street Journal. Madonna, who co-wrote and sings the banal title song, does an unbilled cameo, wrote Variety. And the New York Times referred to Madonna's electronically enhanced chirps emanating from the soundtrack. Personally, I would have liked to have seen Madonna fully invested in writing an original piece of music for this film. Imagine one of her more melodic tunes with that sort of futuristic production that Mirway brings to the songs. Something like Nothing Fails or Nobody Knows Me that ended up on the album itself. But do you know what? I'm alone. <laughs> or at least I'm a rarity in Madonna fans because when I took to Twitter to talk about the song, it seems that for many of you it's an absolute favourite, that you really enjoy it, that you love that Madonna broke the mold and you actually cite it as one of your very favourite Bond themes of all time. And whatever the press thought of it, it was definitely a commercial success. So let's break it down. Here's the drums. The kick, snare and hi-hats are on three separate tracks. Now, it probably hasn't escaped your attention that they are very similar, if not the same sounds as used in the song Music. Playing a different pattern, but you know, very similar. Then you have the bass. A very resonant sounding synth bass line here. And a little later, you get this sub bass. This sound is based on the kick drum from the 808 drum machine, and it's become a staple of uh, R&B music for probably about the last 20 years. Next. This is the Nord 2 synth. 
Now this sample might sound familiar. Especially if you've heard one of the previous podcasts. It's actually from the song Music again. And this sound too. That's also a sample from the song Music. And it's one of the criticisms of the song by some that it relies too much on that 2000 track. I guess one of the great things about Madonna is that she so rarely repeated herself, and that makes it all the more noticeable when she does. This is another Nord synth. As is this. Then you've got these FX sounds. Very sci-fi. This is the Korg MS-2000 sampler. But all these synths aside, of course, what really makes the song is that wonderful string section. There are two versions of this orchestra on the multitrack. This is the close mic version, and then there's also an ambient version as well. So that's when the microphones are further out in the room to create um, a bit of reverb or to, to pick up that atmosphere in the room itself. And of course, we can only begin to wonder what Michelle Columbia actually wrote for the track. Because also included in the multitrack is the version of the strings very much cut up by Mirwais. This is what they sound like. Very brave move there, but it works. And then let's listen to some of Madonna's vocals, shall we? I'm gonna wake up, yes and no. I'm gonna kiss some part of. I'm gonna keep this secret. I'm gonna close my body now. So by now you'll be familiar with the autotune pitch modulation function, which I've explained in the past, and that's very much evident on this song. They also get chopped up quite a bit. Here they are in that mode. I guess I die another day. 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 And of course, we've got this fantastic section. Sigmund Freud. Analyze this. Analyze this. Analyze this, 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 this. And the odd gunshot sound effect aside, that's pretty much all that is there in the uh, multi-track for Die Another Day. Quite a simple song, really. But I did mention at the beginning of this podcast that there was an alternative intro, and certainly on the multi-track there is this spoken part from Madonna underneath the strings that start the song. So we can only assume that that was how the song itself would originally start, and it would have sounded like this. I think I'll find another way. There's so much more to know. I guess I'll die another day. It's not my time to go. Time's up. That's another edition, and I hope you learnt a lot about Die Another Day, and maybe about the bomb music as well. 
Now, the MLVC podcast is, I think, possibly the biggest one out there. It's certainly one of the best. And I was so honoured to join them. We had a really good chat. And I guess we touched on some of the things that I've touched on this week, insofar as we were talking about how, as a Madonna fan, you don't have to like every single song. And some people are very critical of that. So do check out our conversation. If nothing else, I, I just really enjoyed having a natter with them. I'll be back soon for one of the mini-episodes that I mentioned earlier, and I'm going to be shallow-diving into one of my all-time favourite Madonna songs, but it's not one that everybody likes, but there's a few things to say about it, and including there's also some stuff you may not have heard before, as we cover the Like a Prayer track, Dear Jesse. So, I'll speak to you soon for some Pink Elephants and Lemonade. Until then, stay safe.